Thank you, Bob. And I think God just wanted us to hear that first verse twice. I don't know about you, but it made me think about it even more. How about that? Matthew chapter 20, in just a moment, we'll begin reading um, in verse 1. Matthew 20, uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 16. Dr. Thomas D. Lee was, uh, for a number of years, professor of New Testament at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and subsequent to that, uh, became the dean of the School of Theology at uh, the seminary I attended. For over 30 years, he served teaching pastors and preparing pastors and ministers for the calling of the gospel. In the late 1990s, when Dr. Lee was in his late 50s, he developed terminal cancer, and uh, it moved very quickly. It uh, progressed to the bone, and by the age of 60, he had passed away, and many of us thought all too soon because he was truly a Christian scholar and more than that, a, a Christian gentleman. And I still remember... Uh, the message I heard Dr. Lee because when he was in the pastorate because at seminary was required that professors serve on the pastorate for about five years at that time so that they could understand the ministry before they taught. Well, he returned to Appomattox, his first pastorate, uh, in the last year of his life. I still remember he preached out of Matthew chapter 13 about the kingdom of God. But probably... The most indelible message that he preached was the last message that he preached at a chapel service at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary shortly before his death. And he was uh, very open with the group of students at uh, that assembly, and, and he began to discuss the issue of his terminal cancer and the justice of God, which was very appropriate because so many people were devastating and saying, why is God allowing this to happen? And basically, uh, I, I couldn't find verbatim what he spoke, but I can give you really the concept of what he said, and it was this as he was speaking to that congregation, and this was a man with terminal cancer. He said, everybody wants justice, but the problem of just getting justice is there's no grace, and without grace, none of us will get to heaven. We're going to look today, as we prepare for the Lord's table, at a parable that's probably familiar to you. And as you read it, I'm sure the original hearers were wondering, where's the justice in this? But I think as we begin to look at this more closely, and Jesus intended in this particular parable, uh, God takes care of the justice, but we're going to look at it from the aspect of God's grace. Look with me at Matthew chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the workers on one denarius, he sent them into his vineyard for the day. When he went out about nine in the morning, he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He said to them, you also go into my vineyard and I'll give whatever is right. So off they went. About noon and about three, he went out again and did the same thing. Then about five, he went out and found others standing around and said to them, 
why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Now, let me add a note there. About five was five in the evening. The work day would close at six. But their answer, no one is hired us, they said to him. He said, you also go into my vineyard, he told them. And when the evening came, the owner of the vineyard told his foreman, call the workers and give them their pay, starting with the last and ending with the first. When those were hired about five o'clock came, they each received one denarius. So when the first ones came, they assumed they would get more. But they also received a denarius each. And when they received it, they began to complain to the landowner. These last men put in one hour, and you've made them equal to us who bore the burden of the day's work and the burning heat. And he replied to one of them, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Didn't you agree with me on a denarius? Take what's yours and go. I want to give this last man the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want? With what is mine, are you jealous because I'm generous? So the last will be first and the first last. Let's pray. Father, as we look at your word today, uh, open our eyes to understand it. Father, we thank you for the parables that teach us spiritual truth. Father, the intent is that we understand them and apply truth to our lives. And so we pray that today in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as we prepare for the Lord's table, we're looking at this parable. And, you know, a a parable is a simple, short story that, in the case of the Bible, relates a profound spiritual truth. And in this particular picture, uh, we see a story or an account of a vineyard owner who goes out and hires various workers at various times of the day. But the interesting thing, as we see in this account, is that he blessed those who worked at the end of the day as much as he blessed those who had worked the entire day. And it's very clear as Jesus is sharing this parable that God himself is in the position of the vineyard owner. God owns all. He's the master of all creation. And also we're going to see this, that his servants and his children would be those who would follow him. And so as we read it, it seems that this parable is unfair. Why would the owner give to the ones who put so little into the effort the same amount as he gave to those who worked all day? Well, I believe this passage is relating to salvation, to someone gaining the blessing of being in right standing with God. Now, every parable has a limitation. We need to be careful that we don't read too much into parables. This parable is not refuting the truth that God does grant rewards to believers. Scripture teaches that. In fact, Scripture teaches of those who are greater in the kingdom, those who are less in the kingdom. And we know that, that as saved persons that uh, will be judged uh, based on what Christ has done for us in our standing with God, but that also God does bless and give rewards to those who are faithful in service. However, this particular parable, I believe, deals specifically with the grace of God And as we would apply it spiritually to someone gaining the blessing of right standing with him. And so, you know, as we look back before uh, Karen and I took the trip to Italy, we spent about three weeks looking at the kingdom of God. We talked about how the kingdom of God, though it grew small, would grow to cover many nations in a vast area compared to the mustard seed growing into an enormous mustard 
We also looked at the fact of how anyone who can and who will can receive the Lord Jesus Christ and become a part of that kingdom. It's an inclusive offer, but it's an exclusive means that it is only through Jesus Christ. And so as I left for Italy, we had guest speakers, then we've come back. But then today we're entering here in Matthew chapter 20, and we see what is a kingdom parable. This parable is speaking about the kingdom of God, and Jesus makes it very clear in the very first verse. And, and so as we look at it, it's a familiar uh, but also a very poignant parable. And in this parable, he goes, the vineyard worker takes the initiative, and that's the importance. The vineyard owner, rather, takes the initiative to go to the workers. And it says in really the first hour of the day at 6 in the morning, then in the third hour at 9 a.m., and then the sixth hour at 12 noon, the ninth hour at 3 p.m., and then the 11th hour at 5 p.m., he goes out, he finds people who are not working, and he calls them to work. But what is very interesting, as we've already noted, is what we see in verse 8. Well, in verse 9 and 10, he, he, he says that he would give equally to all who work, no matter how many hours of the day. But the interesting thing is verse 8, he said, call the workers and give them their pay, starting with the last and ending with the first. Now, that's perplexing. Why would he do that? Well, we're going to look at some truths out of this parable as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's table today. I want to really look at, at three things as, as we look at the parable today that I believe we can glean from the parable. And the first thing is our position. You and I are in the place, I believe, of the ones hired at the last hour. You know, our sinful nature often hinders us from understanding scriptural truths, and that is true in every one of my, our lives, my, myself included. I want to share basically an everyday illustration of that and a scriptural illustration. Years ago, you may remember uh, the, the uh, movie that came out, The Passion of the Christ, and uh, some of you went to see that. I did, and uh, I had a friend who was in the pastor at that time who was going through a very difficult time in the ministry, just a lot of issues, a lot of struggles, and uh, he saw it, and I saw it. We didn't go together, but we, we commented on the movie after. And after the movie, this pastor immediately went in, I felt like I'm Jesus, like I'm going through this. It was like a Messiah complex. And I was thinking, I didn't feel that. I felt like my sin sent Jesus to the cross. Now, I'm not being spiritual. I'm just being honest at that moment. But my friend at that moment, he, he was so consumed with what he was going through that it was hard for him at that moment to objectively see that the real issue in the situation was about Christ and his death. Now, scriptural illustration King David. King David heard a parable once. Nathan shared that parable with him. You remember King David committed sin and he took the initiative of the sin of adultery with Bathsheba. And so Nathan, who was a prophet and a friend who spoke the, tro the truth to David, he, he, he approached David and he shared what? A parable. He said there was a king, there was a man. He had uh, vast flocks and someone came to visit the king. But instead of taking from 
all, among all of his flock, he found a man who had one tiny ewe lamb, and he took that lamb, and he killed it, and he fed his visitors. Now, David realized he could have just chosen one of his thousands, but he took the poor man's one. And so the scripture says that David was indignant, and he said, that man should die. And then Nathan looked at him and said to David, you're the man. You had access to everyone, everything, but you took Uriah's wife. Now, David, as he was looking at that, he saw the story, but his perception of it was not right until Nathan corrected him in that. And if David, a man's after God's own heart, can, can miss the point, we can too. The problem, we'll miss the point if we try to play God in this, in this parable. If we try to put ourselves in the, in the position of the vineyard owner who decides what to do and what's right, that's not our intent. In fact, I appeal to you today, we're like the ones working the last hour. We, we have no standing. In fact... I think Jesus presented it because we're actually worse than the ones. At least the ones that worked one hour could say we did a little bit. But when we stand before God, we've done nothing dependent totally upon the initiative of God and the grace of God to us. And as we partake of the Lord's table, it is all about him, what he has done for us, not what we have done. It reminds you and me that we are nothing. We're a vapor, as we saw. Every one of us is a sinner. Even people who feel they're good, remember that, they're, that perspective can be wrong. Even when we feel we're good, we're wrong. In fact, Psalm chapter 19, I was reading this morning, it talked about the sins that we're not even aware of. God, make us aware of those. Forgive us of those. We all fall short. You could weigh all of the self-righteous acts of all of us together and put them on the scales, and they wouldn't weigh a thing. They wouldn't even balance a feather, lighter than a feather. So we're not in the position of the owner here. We're in the position of those considered least worthy. But I want you to see the second truth. Right standing with God comes not by our personal merit. Now, if this master in the parable distributed according to who worked the longest or who bore the heat of the day more greatly, those that worked early in the day would have been more greatly compensated. But that wasn't the case. But the question is, what is Jesus trying to teach his disciples and us? And it's this. God acts toward man by his initiative and his grace, not by our works. God is the one who initiates. You know, Romans 4 is a great chapter in the Bible, and it speaks about faith and affirms the truth that man is saved not by his own effort or his own works, but by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he uses the illustration of Abraham there. And I want to read out of Romans chapter 4, just the first five verses of Romans 4, as we see what Paul has to say about this matter in Romans chapter 4. I don't even have two Bibles and it's taking me time. <laughs> Romans chapter 4. I usually have it marked there. And I want to look at, uh, at verse 1. 
What shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, is found? In other words, he was writing here, he was speaking to Jews, he was speaking of the esteemed one, Abraham, the one of faith, the one that everyone would say would be the righteous one. If Abraham, verse 2, was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham, what? Believed God, and it was credited to him. It was imputed to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, pay is not credited as a gift, but as something owed. In other words, if our salvation were by works, what would that make God? A debtor to us. God is not a debtor to us. But the one, verse 5, who does not work but believes on him who declares the ungodly to be righteous his faith is credited for righteousness. And then he follows that in the next verses by focusing on the fact that Abraham was declared righteous before circumcision, not after. And circumcision would represent an outward work of man. And so the question then, and this is a pertinent question, especially if you're not a follower of Christ, is this. How can I know that I'm in right standing with God? Because when it really comes down to it, that's the most important question to ask yourself. How can I know that? Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For you were saved by grace through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. How do we gain right standing with God? through faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. What is the basis of our salvation? Now be very careful when you answer that. Don't say faith because that's wrong. That's not the basis of our salvation. The basis of our salvation is grace. It is God who is God's grace that even enables us to believe it's all about God. Now one thing as we read through this parable and then I've I know I've overlooked it many times, but every time the master has a discussion with an individual in these five times during the day, he is the one who takes the initiative. 6 a.m., he goes to them. 9 a.m., 12, 3 p.m., 5 p.m. Now, what are they doing? They're just standing along the periphery. They're just, and he's saying, why aren't you working? Do you want to work? get to work. The scripture also teaches us that our salvation comes by God's initiative. Before we trust in Jesus Christ, we're dead in our sins. We're, we're dead. A person not in right standing with God spiritually is dead. And that person takes about as much initiation with God as a dead person would. Nothing. Right standing with God, the basis of it is God's grace. And this table today represents the grace of God to you. He took the first step. He took the initiative. He took the initiative for you. But I want you to see a third thing. God delights in doing the unexpected. I love when Jesus shares parables. I love when he engaged with godless people Pharisees and stuff, he would always play the mind game and trap them. And I love this parable because he probably knew as he shared it, people would become upset. And we can only imagine the initial listeners of that 
Uh, they were saying, this just doesn't sound right. And certainly those depicted in uh, the parable, even though it's a, a story, uh, the idea was that they were offended. And so we'll be the same way today. God, how could you forgive that person? Look at that person. I'm much better than that person. That person is a criminal. That person has, has just been mean. She's done evil things all of her life. But what about the thief on the cross? The 11th hour of his life, Jesus engaged in dialogue, and, and Jesus saved that individual. You know, let's always be careful of judging a person's standing with God. Let's always be careful not to categorize people. Because we saw a moment ago, before receiving Jesus Christ, even the most seemingly righteous person is dead in his or her sins. In Jewish thought, physically, the spirit might be in a person up to three days after that person died. I, I was reading online uh, about CPR, and they say up to 38 minutes after someone has died, you can still perform CPR and it make a significant difference. It says nothing, though, about after two hours. And so the issue is there comes a point when someone physically dies. And whether that person has just died yesterday or died seven years ago or 70 years ago, all are still dead. Some people die from trauma. Some people drift peacefully toward death, but both are deceased. They're not good dead persons and bad dead persons when it gets down to it. It's just dead persons. And so the scripture categorizes all of us into being dead in our sins and dependent totally upon the breath of life to come to us through faith in Christ. We're most like the last hour workers. We have no standing with God. And so as we read this, as most people read it, they begin to look at it from the view of what we consider to be justice, putting ourselves in the position of the owner when we ought to be looking exact opposite as beggars, totally dependent upon God. You see, God works in those unexpected ways. And then finally, as we prepare to partake from the Lord's table today, he worked in the most unexpected way. The one who was most righteous, who did all the work for you and me, died for us. You want to talk about unjust? If we were to categorize, is it right that someone who lived a perfect life, who always did everything right, who obeyed the Father fully, who treated everyone with respect, who loved and gave himself sacrificially, he died for us. You want to talk about justice? You think we're in a position? I sort of agree with Dr. Lee. Let's let God take care of the justice issues, but let's be thankful for the grace of God and the grace of God that comes through Jesus Christ. The fact today that you're here, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ, means that God's taking the initiative with you. Just as that vineyard owner 
in the position of God, as we would parallel, goes and takes the initiative. God is speaking to you today and saying, I want you to become part of my kingdom. I want you to become a follower of me. I want you to experience the life that is fully life. I want you to know the eternal life that comes only through faith in Jesus Christ. Hey, all of us are sinners. And, and, and if we've not trusted Christ, if we've not experienced the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're dead in our sins. But even as God breathed life into the first man, he'll breathe spiritual life into you if you would trust in him. Wouldn't you trust him today? Maybe as a Christian today, you have trusted him. But the life that he's giving you, what are you doing with it? Are you serving him? Are you serving him with your life? You see, it's very interesting. The kingdom, it's a kingdom parable, speaks to service. It's not just to sit, God bless me, bless me. We're called to serve him. We're going to have an invitation in just a moment. And then after that, we prepare our hearts to partake from the Lord's table. Let me pray, and then we'll, we'll have our invitation. Father, we thank you today for your grace to us. Father, if we were to put ourselves in this parable, we would be beneath the last of the last that came. Father, we stand with no merit before you. But we thank you, God, that even as this owner took the initiative by going to those, that you have taken the initiative through Christ, through the work of your Holy Spirit in our hearts to convince us that entrance into your kingdom, right standing with you, comes not from what we do, but from what Christ has done. Father, we know that you'll make us a new creation. Lord, forgive us for our sins the things we neglect to do that we ought to, the things we do that we should not. We thank you for your grace. And while, Lord, we're thankful for the gift of faith, even faith is dependent upon your grace. And so, Lord, as we have an opportunity to respond today, we pray you would um, stir our hearts, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Invitation will be open for anyone who would like to come. I'll be